0: You're listening to Season 2 of the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Adam Griffin, and before we get to our topic of the hour, let me first introduce my two lovely co-hosts. First my church worker role model, Miss Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for asking.
0: Good. Glad to be back with you for season two. Me too. And of course, today we have with us the lady who's so much more than a trophy wife. (laughs) Miss <laughs> Chelsea Griffin.
2: How are you doing Best today, Chelsea? Best wife you'll ever have. That's right. Yeah. My first wife, Chelsea. And, and Cassie Bryant is <laughs> a role up? model. You're right. She is a church worker role model, a church oh worker God. and a role model. She's church awesome. All of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so since on today's episode, we're talking about modeling, I thought maybe we could start by uh, revealing Maybe who your childhood role model was, who was somebody maybe on television or in sports politics that you looked up to and you thought, man, that guy, that gal, they're doing it right. Who is that for you, Cassie? Who's your childhood role model?
1: I mean, Carrie Strug, probably the Olympic gymnast. Oh. But then the pink Power Ranger also, Power Ranger also held a pretty special place in my heart as a small child.
0: Those are both gymnasts, kinda, right? Wasn't the pink Power <laughs> Ranger kind of like the one that did all the flips and stuff?
1: Oh yeah, I think she was. Were you yeah. really
0: into gymnastics as a kid? Was that a thing?
1: I think I wanted to be. I don't I don't even remember if I I think I did do gymnastics for a little while.
0: Chelsea's always was- told me that the ability to do a somersault is connected to the ability to read somehow. Is that right, Chelsea? And I had a lot of trouble with somersaults that makes as a sense. kid. <laughs>
1: Are you better at them as an adult? No,
0: can you sure do not. That?
2: Oh. No,
0: I well I cannot go forward. No- forward roll. I can do the log roll though. Like nobody's business. You get uh, You're log an overcomer. Somehow
2: out. you you read now. So yeah, <laughs> got that Somehow
0: going. I'm literate. Uh, Chelsea, who is your oh, childhood man. role model? Um,
2: I don't care about baseball now, but I loved all these like baseball players when I was a kid. I loved uh, Chipper Jones from the Atlanta Braves. But I mean, I don't know if they were really role models. You know, Uh, wasn't Frank Thomas? Wasn't the big no? No, the big hurt played for the White Sox, and I didn't, I didn't really care about him as a kid. You know, I really liked that as far as like female athletes that could be seen as a role model. You know who I thought was so cool was Marion Jones, and she was an Olympic athlete and won all these gold medals. But then I yeah. think it came out later that she was—I yeah. think she was juicing. I think didn't <laughs> didn't that? I don't know if that's accurate. This is not like this just in. Yes, the yes. Family Do not <laughs> as a source of any We're news. breaking the news. Um, I could I could have sworn that happened way later, and me being like, oh man. But because I thought she was real cool. Yeah, that's possible.
0: Yeah. Well, I was obsessed with Zach Morris as a kid. That was kind of my role model. Of course, that wasn't real. But I thought that guy was the coolest. And um, but I think he's still putting stuff out there. So way to go, Really? Zach Morris. What's he putting he out go. there? I think they got a new show. Don't they have a new Save by the Bell show or something? Mark oh, they Paul? do.
1: They did. They come mm. out with one where like Jesse is the principal and Ugh. I don't. is Zach a dad? Maybe. Surely he's not employed by the school. Surely not. I hope not. He probably isn't allowed within Surely a thousand feet of the school. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> people can turn their <laughs> lives around. <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe. Not with that attitude. <laughs> All right. Well, this season, we're going to do a bit of an eight-episode theme here at the beginning. We'll we'll do an episode on each of the four pieces of the Family Discipleship Framework. And after each episode, we'll have a guest on for the episode following for a conversation related to that part of the framework. So today we're talking about modeling. Next week, we'll have somebody with us who's going to talk about processing uh, their uh, example for their kids. Today, we're talking about modeling. But first... Cassie, can you give us like a quick summary, the framework for family discipleship? It'll help our listeners see where we're going this season, time, moments, milestones.
1: Yeah, so our framework for family discipleship is modeling time, moments, and milestones. The first is modeling because if you're going to disciple your kids in Christ and in scriptures, then you yourself, it's important that you have a relationship with Jesus and that you are modeling what that looks like for your kids. Everything from time with Jesus and prayer, repentance, peacemaking, forgiveness, all of those things. And so that's modeling. Time would be um, the intentional time that you spend with your family, discipling them through the scriptures and through worship and through prayer. It's time that you're planning for, whether that is daily or weekly or monthly, but you're you're setting aside time to kind of make a plan for that. And then you're executing that plan accordingly. And that's going to look different you know, based on different stages. And then moments is kind of those everyday moments that pop up that you leverage for the gospel. You leverage for the discipling of your kids. So it could be a moment of discipline. It could be a moment like getting bad news or good news. And so oftentimes that could be celebrating something or disciplining your children or grieving something even, and just you're using those moments to talk to your kids about what is true and what scripture says. And then milestones, um, we kind of see those as making and marking the really kind of monumental things in the life of your kid that they can look back on and see God's faithfulness. And so they're kind of the Ebenezer's. and you both make those milestones and you can also mark natural milestones that, that occur.
0: Great. I'm so looking forward to talking through each one of these a little bit more in depth as we go. Chelsea, uh, can you help us kick off the conversation today about modeling? Why is having a personal faith a critical component of leading your family? Why is it important for parents themselves to be believers if we want to be leading our
2: kids? Because you cannot impart what you do not possess come on no I've heard you say that Adam
0: (laughs) no it's it's Howard Hendricks (laughs) somebody else said that first but yeah so
2: uh, (laughs) 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 which just means I've heard you say it no that's true though you cannot (laughs) impart something that you do not possess right and so if it's a reality that my greatest joy is my union with Christ if that's where my truest identity is. That's where my hope is. That's where I gain freedom. I want my kids desperately to have that same freedom and I need to have it too. And I need to be able to model for them what that looks like. And um, I want them to see something really great, that there really is freedom in Christ, that there really is joy in the midst of grief, that we have hope in a broken world. And so that needs to be true for me um, before I could possibly try to tell my kids about it.
0: Right. If If we want you leading your family but you are not yourself investing in your own spiritual walk, then it ends up being some uh, vicious form of uh, hypocrisy, Mm -hmm. uh, speaking out of one side of your mouth. Cassie, are we asking parents, though, to demonstrate to maybe fake or kind of display a version of their spirituality that may not be genuine for the sake of their kids? Are we asking parents to be perfect or at least pretend they are for their kids' sake?
1: Oh, no. Well, then you're modeling something totally unattainable for your kids uh, if you're not showing them what failure or mistakes or hardship or challenges can look like in your spiritual walk. So perfection is definitely not the goal here and definitely not what we're asking or what we're hoping parents would model for their children. We're just asking that you would be modeling a genuine faith and outworking of your walk with Jesus for your kids. And so that they would they would see that you're in scripture and they would see that you pray and they would see just that your life would be on display, your relationship with Jesus would be on display. And that is going to include... Seasons of doubt, that will include seasons that maybe are drier than other seasons um, in terms of like your spiritual walk. And I mean, it, it can include all those things. But if you're projecting something that is perfect, then that might be setting this bar that feels unattainable for kids. Because right. I think they know pretty early on that they're not perfect and that that's not, you know, that then they now feel like they have to project a perfect thing. So
0: Right. I love that. Since we're going to be raising kids that will themselves be imperfect adults trying to follow God. How could we model for them what it's like to be an imperfect person following Mm. God? So that means it's going to involve repentance. That means it's going to involve us working at some things that we might feel like we're failing at. And that's going to help our kids see, oh, that's how a man or that's how a woman does this, how they work through their failures, how they address the places they need to repent. I think that's a godly version of parenting. Not that you need to read your Bible so your kids will catch you doing it. No, read your Bible for yourself. And not that you need to find a way to make mistakes around them. I promise you will. But don't hide them from your kids thinking that, oh, this is going to really tarnish my reputation with my child. No, use your own failures as an opportunity to show your kids how a man yeah. or woman fails. Chelsea, if someone took a look at your calendar or. They they read a transcript of everything you said, which I would love to do. If they read everything (laughs) you said in a week. What do you think people would conclude? If that was the access they had to your calendar, everything you had to say, what would people think is the most important thing going
2: on in your life? Yeah, so I feel attacked by this question. Uh, (laughs) I'm so glad he asked you and not me. (laughs) And I just kind of wondered if this is actually like an intervention where you and Cassie are like, we want to talk to you about some things. (laughs) Oh, we got caught.
0: Your impersonation of me right there was spot on. I want to talk to you about some
2: things. I was saying it in my own voice. (laughs) When I impersonate you, oh, I'm like, okay. oh, <laughs> we got to talk about some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I mean, yeah, that really does feel convicting when you put it that way. Although, you know what? Some weeks I do okay. Well, also, do we calendar everything that right. we do, Net, right. do you, um, Adam, I, I wouldn't be
1: shocked if Adam does. <laughs> Where you like fit it into your calendar, but I feel like I only use my calendar for work and other stuff. But I can see, I see the well. Just how about
0: if somebody got to see everything you? What's a typical week for you? What would they say is really important to Chelsea or to Cassie?
2: Um, You know, I think on the surface because this takes up a lot of time in, in families. Someone might say, well, family logistics are important, you know, getting kids to school and going to work and figuring out the schedule of sports and dinner and stuff like that. But I hope our kids can see that the Lord is important to us. I don't always like kind of like you just talked about. I don't read my Bible like in front of my kids every day to be like, here's mommy doing, you know, doing her time with the Lord or whatever. But, um, I think our kids can see that the Lord is important. Last week, Oscar and I both had a cough. So I was explaining to Gus why we weren't going to church. And he said, he said, why aren't we going to church? Is it because that kid in Theo's class is having a birthday party? (laughs) (laughs) and I said no we we go to church every week even if someone's having a birthday party and uh that's not really like some militant thing I understand it's not it's not illegal to skip church but I thought it was funny like yeah no we're not skipping the opportunity to worship to make it to a kindergarten birthday party but I hope the birthday party's great but no we're not but no I think our our kids can see from our day in day out just the fact that like Our kids really, they would have a really hard time if we were ever like, okay, let's all go to bed. And we hadn't read the Bible together as a family and we hadn't worshiped together. And even in in their immaturity, it might just be like, I don't want to go to bed yet. So let's claim, you know, that that time's really important to them. But I think honestly, they would just be like, oh no, are mom and dad okay? Because it would be so unusual for them to go through the normal course of the week without seeing us make time to go to our home group, serving at church, mm-hmm. and yeah, and like yeah. I mean like Adam, you go into dinner the other night, you know, with someone who doesn't know the Lord but wants to know about the Lord. You know, they got to just see you do that. They know that that's just such an important part of our life.
0: Right. I I th- I hope that comes through. I hope that that rings true with our kids. I also know there's a lot of other priorities we have in our life and certainly a mm-hmm. lot of families have those. They would see that we're trying to get our kids to sports practice and trying to get our kids to their games. Trying mm-hmm. to sit down to watch the football teams we care about. Uh, we want to hang out as a family. We, we go to sleep at a reasonable hour. There's a lot of priorities we have in our life. We get them to school on time. And I think a lot of times, parents, when it comes to some of the, the framework that we're going to talk to in, t- in its entirety, whether it's modeling or time moments or milestones, time is like just the literal of the time you have is one of the biggest issues we hear from parents. Like, when do you have mm-hmm. time for that? And modeling is such a beautiful thing because you're like, anytime you're around your kids, they are seeing you model what you believe a Christian should be doing in that circumstance, and hopefully then repenting where you fall short. But of course, inconsistencies, hypocrisy, that can be on full display too. Cassie, I asked Chelsea a pretty vulnerable, hard question. Let me ask you one. Do you see any inconsistencies between what you tell your kids is right and what they see you doing or saying?
1: Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Also, they see it and they're at the age where they just start calling me out on it. <laughs> like, but mom, you said this, yep. but we're doing this. It's like, oh, great. Um <laughs> Yeah, the, the answer is yes. Going back to, I just want to even think about the time. If someone could look in, and I think what's important to think about is our kids are looking in, right? Yeah, They're the ones exactly looking. Right. So it might not be Adam and Chelsea looking at our calendar or the way we spend our time, but our kids definitely are picking up on what are our priorities. And I think whether it's work and devices are huge. I remember when the pandemic started, it was like we had to kind of create, you know, language around our devices and why we were on them so much if we were working on our phones or working on our computers, that kind of thing. Because normally that's not a priority in our household Mm. Um, but all of a sudden our kids are like, gosh, your phone is out a lot, mom, or you're on your phone a lot, or that type of thing. The kids are watching and that's why modeling is so important because they're little sponges. And even if they're not seeing you read your Bible, like what you just said, Chelsea, like you're not necessarily like opening it up when they wake up and come out and they're, you're reading it, but they're going to hear you narrate or even talk about what you read mm-hmm. or what God's teaching you, or they're going to hear Adam talk about why he's going to dinner. It's not like, hey, dad's going to dinner, but like you're leveraging what, why you're going to dinner mm-hmm. with that unbeliever and what your your hope is for him in a way that your kids now know why that's important and your model, you know, and so it's it's not just doing all the right things, but I think it's kind of like talking about it and explaining it why why we do what we do and why we're prioritizing what we prioritize. Yeah. yeah. And then when we are inconsistent, just being really honest about it and apologizing. And explaining that like, we don't, we're not perfect. And that that's part of the walk, you know? Yeah.
0: And we don't use it as an excuse to our kids. Like, well, mom's not perfect. So I'm going to do kind of what I want or dad's not perfect. So get over it. I hope in a godly way, get to say like, Hey, dad's not perfect. I'm we are going to really try to effort to demonstrate to you what a Christian would do in this circumstance or what should, what I should have done. And I want to repent where I fall short I want to read you guys a verse. We've talked so many times on this podcast about Deuteronomy chapter six and about what we call the Shema. But a couple chapters before that is this great verse, Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nine, that's also about mm-hmm. family discipleship. And it says this, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life, mm-hmm. make them known to your children and your children's children. I love that because Deuteronomy chapter six, it already knows it talks about telling these things to your kids diligently. But here a couple of chapters before that. It talks about keeping your own soul diligently. Chelsea, what do you think that looks like in the life of a parent to be diligent in the care of their own soul?
2: Yeah, that's a great question and a great verse. Thanks for reading that. You know, the Bible's telling us to care for our soul And of course, we're to be imitators of God and he cares for us. And so one of the ways we so obviously care for other people is with our presence, right? To draw near. And so if we think about the father caring for us and then how he would want us to imitate him and also care for ourselves, I think one of the biggest parts of that is drawing near to God um and so maybe people who haven't been walking with God for a long time when you think about like what does that mean that sounds really vague to say like we'll draw near to God or have communion with him we feel close to God when we worship him when we pray um, when we're in his word when we study his word and try to apply it to our lives when we are in fellowship with Believers um, and just have opportunities to encourage each other with the truth, that we know. And so that's powerful for me to get to be around women and either hear their struggles or just be able to just kind of share truth right back with them and then back to me so that we can be built up in our faith. Um, And so individually, you know, that looks like the disciplines of Christ, solitude and prayer and fasting, um, worship, Um, with the body that looks like serving others, encouraging others, studying his word, corporate worship, stuff like that.
0: That's great. You're talking about a category of things we Mm -hmm. would call spiritual disciplines, things Mm -hmm. that you're disciplined, consistent in, what's your rhythm. And I know parents, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, the first thing parents often think of is either guilt, which we did a great episode last season on parent guilt, or they'll think about how they don't have time. They'll think about the challenges maybe they face. Cassie, to speak to our listeners about that, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that parents are facing when it comes to spiritual disciplines for them personally?
1: Oh, I mean, time, like mar- like your margin, it feels so thin <clears throat> when you've got kids. And and then I think distraction, like it's just easy to get distracted. And it's hard. I don't know about, I mean, every family is so different, but our family doesn't have like a daily rhythm per se, because like our kids go to school two days a week and I work different days than Eric works. I mean, it's similar to you guys. So we're kind of like every week is a little bit different and that can create like a sense of inconsistent, I don't know, chaos (laughs) sometimes, (laughs) which can make it hard to like fold in those disciplines. So for me, it's an early wake up time, even if I don't have anywhere to be early. Like it's get up and then I like to be active because it wakes my brain up first. And then it's get time in the word or get time in prayer that's extended and uninterrupted just to set me up for my day. But one of the greatest deterrents that could be, I mean, like I can't anticipate if one of my kids is going to get up in the middle of the night and be up for an hour or so, Mm -hmm. or is sick or I'm sick. I mean, and all it takes, I'm so bad about this. I'm an all or nothing person. So all it takes is one interruption like that. And it throws me off. And then I take like, you know, a month off from like getting up early or something, you know? And so, I think those interruptions to the rhythms and then the distractions, which is where I think accountability really comes into play in doing this in community, because then I know I have people that are going to ask me, how's that going? Oh, you didn't, you know, get up early this week or whatever, or, you know, how are you rearranging your time to make up for anything that's lost? But um, yeah, I think those are some of the biggest challenges I think being on the same page. So if I'm trying to do completely different things than Eric, then we're like maybe going in not different directions, but it's easier when we're doing things together. So if we're on the same page and we're pursuing things as a team, as a couple, then I think that that helps that helps our kind of rate of success in terms of like carving out and kind of enduring in some spiritual disciplines. I also think biting off more than we can chew. Like don't listen to this episode and be like, oh my goodness, I'm going to go buy a spiritual disciplines book and I'm going to start doing all of the disciplines tomorrow. Like start small or maybe start with one or two that you would like to add in and then kind of create those habits and rhythms before you think about like adding a bunch more in.
0: Hey friends, it's March. And that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey, listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him, In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Love that I love the idea that or the wisdom that you're offering there of how it works for you as a couple and then maybe pacing yourself maybe is too even light of a word but thinking about this wisely like Cassie you get up early to go work out all the time if you asked me to do that one or two days in a row i'd be so sore i couldn't work out the rest of the week so what would it look like me to ease into that kind of discipline I think that's what we would be great advice for a parent as you're thinking about adding spiritual mm-hmm. discipline is not to fast for a week. Try fasting for a meal, you know, instead of uh, saying, I need to read the Bible, uh, the entire Bible in this month. You're saying, no, I'm going to read a chapter a day and see where that gets me. And there's certainly a lot of helps and resources out there. We can talk about that more here in a second, but I love the opportunity we get on this podcast to encourage parents that might be struggling in these areas. And Chelsea, I think you're so good at this. So for the parent who might be saying right now, I'm I'm too busy to have the spiritual life I want or I'm too uneducated or unprepared to pursue the things you guys are talking about or I'm too anything, like fill in the blank with anything. What encouragement or challenge can you offer the parent who has a lot of uh, what we maybe even would say, like yeah, those seem like legitimate challenges or uh, big excuses?
2: Sure. Well, to anyone who's too busy, you know, the Lord gave us all the same 24 hours in a day. He didn't give some people more time And and some of us just get a few hours. Everybody gets 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. And the scriptures don't tell us exactly what to do with every minute, but it's clear that God made us people that need to rest. So we have to rest. And it does seem like uh, we're supposed to work in some regard, whether that's taking care of our homes or our kids or serving in some way. But the Bible says God has good work set out for us to do. So there's some things, you know, we have to do with our time, but it's just not true that any of us are too busy to do anything, right? I think I'm too busy to work out sometimes, but that's not right. really true. The reality is I didn't prioritize it because I didn't want to do it that much. <laughs> so that's different than yeah. saying I didn't have time. Yeah, it's just that I didn't want to. You know, for someone that feels discouraged, feeling like they are not, they're not where they want to be in their faith, feeling like they kind of don't know how to do some of these things. Like you said, Adam, there's tons of resources and help, but, you know, a really great resource is the church, you know, and so if there's someone that you know that... Um, you feel like they know their Bible really well, you know, that you don't have to take time from them for the rest of their life, but to meet with them a couple of times and say, can you just show me how? What, it, what you do when you spend time with the Lord? Can you show me how you study your Bible? Can you just teach me some things? Or if you know someone who's really diligent about memorizing scripture or someone who's really seems like they really flourish in their prayer life, ask them about that. But some things, you know, that we model for our kids, are easy, really. And so I want to encourage people with that. That's easy. You know, if you're driving the car, like we can put on worship music and we can worship. If we are, you know, we pray with our kids every day on the way to school, it's like you're going to school anyway. So it's not like we said, okay, children, like there's this special prayer ritual we have to do and make this separate time for it, or put it on the calendar. No, whenever we turn into the school parking lot, we just start praying for their day and we pray for their school. And so yeah. some of that stuff really is easy. And I want people to feel encouraged. By that, not not condemned. Some of this can be really, really right. easy. Yeah, because in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. it says, "As you go, it's not saying like carve out
1: hours to spend sitting and on your knees. And I mean, you know, time like that is beautiful, but it's that's not happening daily for parents that yeah. have full lives. They're saying, as you go, as you cook, mm-hmm. as you drive, as you yeah. you know do all the things, and that's where you're leveraging those moments that we'll talk about later.
0: Right? I love in Ephesians chapter five even. The Lord uses the metaphor of kids and fathers to to talk about our relationship with him. He says we're supposed to imitate God as dearly loved children. The idea being that dearly loved children imitate mm-hmm. their parents. And when you dearly love your kids, they will imitate you. That's, that's the picture God uses of what our life should look like with him. Let's imitate God. Why? Because we are dearly loved by him and we dearly love him in return. Uh, Howard Hendricks used to say that one of the best ways to love your kids was to love your spouse well. And we've done some talking and thinking about this. guys. you've kind of mentioned this a little bit already. For our listeners who are married, which certainly is not everybody, but for those who are, what could spiritual disciplines or a walk with Christ look like together for them? Like what can what can modeling spiritual disciplines in a marriage look like for our kids?
1: I think praying together, praying for one another is huge. Uh, serving one another, I, don't, I think we can under estimate just the power of our kids watching us love each other, outdo each other and honor and yeah. affection, which is challenging of course uh, with your spouse. And I think, I mean, Eric and I are almost always reading something different unless we're like in, when we read scripture with our kids, we're obviously reading the same thing. He's not off reading something different, but our devotional lives lend themselves often to something, to different readings. Um, he is always in like the epistles. He loves everything Paul's written, which it's God's word. I love it too. I love the old Testament. I'm, I love reading, sitting in the prophets and reading wisdom literature and narrative uh, of the old Testament. And so it's just interesting because we both gravitate towards different things but I think the way that we can model for our kids I don't know unity is that we'll talk about it we can talk about like what God's teaching me and what I've read today and what God's taught Eric and what he's writing. And we don't do that every day. So it might just be something that comes up because a news headline or like, hey, that's interesting. I was reading this today. And so I think if it feels forced and awkward, maybe ask yourself, are we like trying to make this something it doesn't have to be? Because it, if it continues to feel that way, then eventually it's a habit you, you won't or a rhythm you might not keep up. I think that's it needs good. to feel more natural. Um, yeah. And so it's finding ways to fit that in naturally together. But I really do think praying together, praying for each other, having your kids see that and then serving one another is one of the best ways our kids can see Mm -hmm. us love each other.
0: Yeah, when Chelsea and I were first married and our lives were a little bit more predictable and we didn't have kids, we used to do a weekly even where we called it Our Hour, like O-U-R, H-O-U-R, where we would meet together and talk about what we were reading or what we were learning from the Lord and kind of talk through how things were going in our marriage. I feel like now with kids, we get the opportunity to do that less overtly just the two of us, but in a really more beautiful way, letting our kids see how I care about my wife and how my wife cares about me spiritually. And when one or the other of us is absent, getting to pray for that spouse with my kids is really sweet. Hey, this is going on in mom's life right now. How can we be praying for her? We get to demonstrate kind of a love and commitment and the way I want them to honor my wife, their mom, and the way I want them to honor God. In the book on family discipleship that Chandler and I wrote, we talk about the importance of integrity, the importance of proximity for parents, like being godly, being close by, I think we call it being reliable and being relatable. It's It's a huge blessing to have a mom and a dad who love the Lord. And I know on future episodes, we're going to talk more about single parenting. We're going to talk about being the only Christian parent in your marriage. Those are really challenging circumstances. And I want to acknowledge that. Cassie, since this is your expertise, why does the fact that there are so many people as single parents, so many people, the only Christian parent in their marriage, why does that make the work the, that a church staff, church volunteers, why does it make that work all the more important?
1: I mean, influence. So church church will be, I think, hopefully a primary source of support and encouragement and community for the single parent. And it will be additional influences into the life of those kids, whether it's through the, a community group that that single parent's walking in or the volunteers who have just really been trained and uh, who have a passion for sharing God's love with the next generation. And so, I mean, even as a, as a married mom, the the relationships that my kids have with their leaders is so valuable. We at Northway, we, we're, our volunteers serve every week and my oldest daughter's leaders have been with her since first grade. And those relationships are just so great. They're watching them grow up and so that, all that to say the influence that the church can provide, I mean, obviously we're hoping that all of our listeners are in part of healthy churches where community is flourishing, where God's word is seen as authority and, and you see kind of the working out of these spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation. And so in that kind of ideal scenario, the church is, it becomes the family of God for a single parent and yeah. where they're not alone in the discipling of their their kids.
0: Great. I think when it comes particularly to modeling, and some of the single moms I've talked to that talk about how the church provides them with godly men in their mm. kids' lives and what a blessing that can be to a single yeah. mom or to see the way different families operate without being covetous, without being comparative in an unhealthy or a gossiping or envious way, just seeing, oh, that's the way that family does it. That. That's really helpful Or that's modeled in a a youth leader or in a volunteer and kids ministry or modeled in a camp counselor. Those having additional models in your kid's life is so helpful. Mm -hmm. I've I've always felt like it's such a big deal to have some other adult say something to your kids that the parent has said a thousand times and sometimes finally make it register, finally make it seem real. Otherwise, it feels like, no, that's just our house. People Mm believe us. Yeah. Let's get personal for a minute and talk about our own homes. Chelsea, what do you think the Griffin boys are seeing in us that you hope they learn to imitate? And the other side of the coin too, what do they see in us that you hope they don't continue? So what are they seeing in our house?
2: I I Honestly, I I hope that they see a lot of good things in our house, godly things. I know our house is not perfect and our house definitely a little disorganized. We don't, there's no charts like on the wall. Like I love it when I see that people's houses, like the charts with like chores and like things (laughs) like that. Like that is really neat. Uh, (laughs) I love that. I really do. But it's just, it's not us, uh, not right now, but I think it's cool. Um, Our boys don't have a chart, but sometimes I'm like, hey, y'all, clean your bathroom. It looks like a gas station. And then they clean it. And then later I'm like, (laughs) hey, you should clean it again. And they're like, again, we cleaned it one time. And I'm like, right. Um, It looks like a gas station again. And I don't know how that didn't bother you until I pointed it out, you know. Anyhow, I really hope that our boys, as they grow older, I hope that they can see that our faith is genuine and that it's lived out and that that can be really fun and adventurous. I hope that our boys see a really genuine love for people in our lives. Um, That mom and dad have friends and that we have people that we care about. Um, Adam and I do premarital counseling a lot in our home and our kids are kind of running around playing while we do that. And they see that in yeah. us that it's it's so important to us to to help prepare couples to have great marriages. They see us praying with these couples. We try to open up our home. Our home is is not fancy and cool with like a open concept or it does it does not look like it does not look like Joanna Gaines has been here. And uh, and she hasn't. And she your, hasn't. House is, your house is great. You're very hospitable. But, your home but is we very love, hospitable. We love no, that we're that we have a house and we love to invite people into it. And so our our boys can expect. And, and they, I think, delight in it that on Thanksgiving that we we put out open offers all over the place that if anyone doesn't have somewhere to go, that they can come to our house. And so a lot of times on Thanksgiving, there's people at our house who have never been to our house or people we're meeting for the first time because they're a friend of a friend or something. But um, our house is always filled on Thanksgiving or any other holiday, Easter, one day on Father's Day. We just had so many young singles just come over after church there whose parents didn't really live around here. And so Father's Day seemed like a day to go out to lunch with your dad. Um, but we had a lot of people over who were distant from their dads for one reason or another and that was a really sweet day um, and I hope our kids just see that, that our love for the people in our church and our love for the people in our lives is genuine and that it stems from the love that Christ has shown us and so they see a mm. lot of different people over here all the time and that's I good. hope that's just and I, I really do think it's something that they love like they show a lot of excitement when we're like hey these people are coming and they just you know we had this guy come and stay two nights with us over Christmas and I I don't know if I'd ever met him before Adam. Uh just <laughs> yeah, and me, like, but yeah. I <laughs> think it was day of or day before where you're like, oh yeah, he's coming to stay with us. I was like, great, sounds fun. <laughs> and um we got to know him and our boys just our boys just jump into stuff like that. They're like, yeah, let's get to know this guy and hear what's going on in his life and pray for him and just be a a place where he feels safe and he can come and rest here for a couple of days, you know. And so I, I hope our boys love that and want to imitate that.
0: What do they see in us that you hope they don't continue? What do you think they're seeing in Adam and Chelsea Griffin that you really hope the next generation of Griffins gets to put to death?
2: I mean, they could have charts in their home when they grow up. And really, I I mean, honestly, our house is a little disorganized. (laughs) I can see Oscar uh, with the chart. It doesn't really bother me much, but I'm not the mom that can be like, y'all's room needs to be perfectly in order because if they come into our bedroom, they'd be like, well, this is a mess. And I'd be like, yeah, it's just kind of like how I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I'm old enough now to know like that's just really not me to be like hyper organized and have like things just aren't in perfect order in my life or in my house and I don't think that that's really the worst thing but maybe it'd be neat if they were more organized or something but our lives and our jobs don't lend itself to like really routine scheduling and organizing Mm -hmm. of tasks and duties and stuff like that. I mean, on a more serious note, uh, just yeah. to be like more vulnerable, I'll say that I can bring home some negativity that I hope that I want yeah. to be better at. I want to keep growing in that and that what comes out of my mouth would be only for the building up of those who hear instead of complaining mm-hmm. about, you know, something at work or something yeah. somewhere, you know, someone who inconvenienced me, someone that bothered me. That's something that I want to see put to death in my own life for God's glory, my own joy. And I definitely don't want my boys to pick right. up on that and to say, okay, you you can be um, nice and kind out of the house. And then when you come home, you get to complain about everything that bothered you.
0: That's the same thing that crossed my mind for a home is that I feel like sometimes we are we are critical about people that our kids know sometimes even, uh, but certainly about our workplaces, the church we go to. But more often than not, it's, t- it's like customer service people at a restaurant or at a store I've been to. And I will just tell a story about. Basically, we're there the moron and I'm brilliant and I can't believe they did what they did. And our kids sit there and listen to me complain and be critical. And I hope instead that our kids could see the best in a lot of people and be humble enough to receive the fact that, well, mm. other people make mistakes. We all do. And how they could walk in that. Cassie, what about the Bryant house? What are you seeing that... You hope your kids are learning and what are you hoping that they uh, walk away from?
1: Mm. I mean, similar to you guys with hospitality, I hope that they grow up to know that like what is given to Mm -hmm. us is not ours, but it's something to share and to steward. And so we similarly love to have our door or a house full of people. We have our upstairs. It's open for guests to stay with us, or we've had people live with us off and on for years. And we just really would love for that to be uh, a value that our kids kind of hold to, that our belongings and our space is not just for us, but it's to be shared. And similarly the love of Christ. I hope that they grow up to take seriously just our desire to see, their desire to see our neighbors know Jesus uh, we walked with some neighbors for a, a good season and had them in our homes often and shared the love of Christ with their kids and with them. And and so I just kind of hope that they know. I mean, they've gotten to where they'll ask us like, hey, does so-and-so, do they know Jesus? And we'll mm-hmm. pray. Um, but I know that we could grow a lot more in evangelism, but I would like to see that value carry on and even grow stronger with them. Another value I think would just be that we don't give up hope or like operate or let fear kind of rule our lives. That's but good. Uh, when something hard happens, that they would see us trust in God. So when suffering comes, when there's a death in the family, when COVID hits, you know, all the things that can be hard about our lives, that they would see that we um, trust God and that he has a plan and that we don't have to panic or freak out, you know. As for things that I hope don't continue, I feel like that list might be longer. Um mm. I, well, I was going to start talking about maybe some anger and impatience, but before yeah. that, I hope that they grow up comfortable asking for forgiveness because I, I do think that we model that well. Um yeah. And I hope that they kind of learn that and that they are quick to kind of recognize when they're wrong and apologize and ask for forgiveness. We, I have kind of a control bent that I would love to see end with my generation, a desire to kind of control my circumstances and the things around me. And, and so, and when I don't feel like I have control, I tend to get angry. And Mm. so we're working on that. I've been working on that for a while. And this year, I mean, really since October, November of last year, we have been praying and just trusting the Lord for deliverance for that. And then just praying our house would be a house of peace and that our girls, their lives and their homes someday would be kind of um, just covered in peace and that they wouldn't have the same kind of frenetic energy that I have when I think, feel like things are spiraling out of control, whether it's their behavior or just circumstances or I burned dinner or whatever it is. But but yeah, I think that that's something I would really love to see die with my generation. I think the other thing would be we we do value comfort, kind of put a high value on our comfort and and I would love to see them be willing to be more uncomfortable and maybe I mean I pray that they they're like I would love for God to send them to the nations which I feel like is a risky prayer because I'm as a mom I would hate for them to be that far away but to me I feel like that's an ultimate example of really just forsaking all that's comfortable to go and share the good news of the gospel and so we'll see what God has in store for them but that's my
0: hope. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being that vulnerable for a few minutes there. I hope that is a big help to a lot of parents. There's certainly some things in my own heart, similar to what Cassie sharing about my temperament that I wish weren't what I was modeling for my kids. And I want to be more repentant. There's some things in our household that we do together that I hope our kids do a better version of, even if I like it right now. And I'm a strong believer that if you want your kids to learn something, one of the best ways for them to learn it is for you to learn it. So if you want your kids to be patient kids, then you learn to be a patient father or a patient mother. And if you Mm. want your kids to be gentle and kind, then you learn to be gentle and kind in and around them and to them. And instead of yelling at them until they become the person you want them to be, one of the strategies that I feel like is healthier is demonstrating how you are working towards that in your own life. Modeling is such a critical part of who you are as a disciple maker in your home. It's demonstrating not only repentance where you fall short, but what does it look like for that imperfect person to to instill discipline, to pursue the Lord and to find Him, to find the Lord willing and available and close. And what a delight for kids to get to see that.
1: Adam, do we have a minute to rattle off some resources for people who like to read or want to have some resources for this. Go ahead. We love Habits of Grace, uh, which is a book about spiritual disciplines and rhythms and habits. The Common Rule was another really good one for us, which I think he just came out with another one for Habits of the Home. And then, oh, I loved the Liturgy for the Ordinary, a Liturgy for the Ordinary, which is kind of just talking about taking the mundane and using things like, I mean, everything from making your bed to when you like lose your keys, how to recenter your kind of heart and thoughts and even actions towards worship of God. So those are those are a couple that have been pretty form, formative for us. Oh, and the gospel comes with house keys. I think is one for hospitality oh, that tough. I would recommend.
0: I love that one. Yeah. Anything from you, Chelsea? Any spiritual discipline uh, resources you think of?
2: I like all those ones, Cassie listed.
0: you used uh you have a bible reading plan that you like that incorporates the bible project and you've done that with other people uh,
2: kind of going back to talking about being busy and stuff uh, i'll tell you that i used to really look down on reading the bible on my phone for me personally not for other people i just there's something about it felt like less legit to be like oh this is an app but the reality (laughs) is most of us have our phone in our pocket (laughs) all the time so honestly that's an awesome resource to be able to pull your phone out and see see the word you yeah. know, on, whether it's on your lock screen or on your Bible app or whatever. But yeah, this year I just started another, you know, read the Bible in a year type plan and the Bible projects, it's a different one that I've done before. And this one's really cool. They did a lot of little, like little devotional videos that they inserted into the plan. So like, I'm in Genesis now and as you're going through it, they have all these little really helpful, quick videos, kind of explaining like the literary style or something historic about, the book of Genesis, just to help you understand uh, the material or to give like some, you know, some sort of Bible insight um, to help you just apply what you're reading to your life. So that's been really great. I'm on track currently. Today's January 14th right. and I'm
1: on track. No big deal. Way to go. <laughs>
2: Let's go. <laughs> oh, the Dwell
1: Bible app too for audio. You're talking yeah. about listening or in the car or whatever. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. And they have, I mean, I think they have yeah. a bunch of different reading plans. Well, that's why I like audio.
0: I like street lights. It's free. It's like yeah. a audio Bible with a hip hop beat behind it. I find that is so pleasing to go on a walk and put on street lights or something Is it Lynn
1: like manuels voice?
0: Uh, no, I, no, unfortunately, he doesn't love the Lord yet, but we can work oh, on that. Oh, we'll, we'll keep so praying. We'll see what we can do. Well, friends, thanks for listening. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, would you please, right now, Go give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast, and then share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on social media. We love you, listeners. We'll be back next week with more great stuff. We'll see you
2: then.